0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika Sports Leader Happy Wednesday everybody Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, May 17th 2023 This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back I'm Jacob Goins, he is Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika Sports Leader for the next two hours talking all things Auburn athletics, things going on in the sports world, lots to talk about today. Uh, We have more Auburn football news that we got uh late yesterday afternoon after we were already off the air uh right around 5 o'clock tried to
2: allude to it some felt like it was coming apparently another school was weirdly overconfident and it didn't work out for yeah
1: a school that yeah felt really good about him west virginia yeah
2: odd how about that i i um Talked to him a little bit, but uh, and saw him talk about it on his show today. But uh, our friend Zach Wackerby talked about how he had West Virginia fans hopping in his YouTube comments for yesterday's show before the announcement, talking about how they were going to land Larry Nixon. Well, they were wrong. (laughs) And so we will talk about that Auburn. Uh, Hugh Freeze
1: does it again in the transfer portal. We'll talk about the linebacker commit coming up today. Also, Auburn had a wide receiver on campus yesterday that sort of snuck up on everybody. And so we'll talk about that situation as well. Yeah. I think he's coming back this weekend. How about that, huh? That'll be that'd be interesting. So Auburn continuing to do work in the transfer portal. We'll talk about that some today. We'll also talk about the college football playoff Dark Horses, according
2: to CBS, that were released late last week. That we were planning on talking about yesterday, but news popped off and everything. Uh, I mean, we got callers. It was it was a great show yeah. y- yesterday. That's
1: how it goes, man. We are all here for it. Not expecting anything to drop today, but... With Hugh Freeze and company, you just never know. And so, we'll talk some college football playoff dark horses uh, according to CBS. And then it's Wednesday, so coming up in hour number two, Austin Hannon from Making Bama Central,
2: his second appearance on the show as yeah. our new. Our new Alabama correspondent. <laughs> there you go,
1: because he was uh, he was out last week. I believe he was in Disney for a, a birthday trip. and so Something like that. Yeah, so uh, hopefully he had a good time. And so, yes, he'll be joining us at 3.30 on the phone lines, Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Uh, we'll talk some football with him. We'll talk some
2: baseball with him as well. We'll uh, we definitely have to talk some baseball with him because when I talked to him the first time he came on a couple weeks ago, The Alabama baseball situation was starting to bubble, but we didn't know the extent, and boy has that changed. And it's not the only situation like that out there. you got Mm. Iowa and Iowa State doing similar stuff.
1: Yeah, and so we'll see what the the temperature is right now in Tuscaloosa around the baseball program and get the insight on what's happening with football as well. So that's what's coming up today here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. But until Austin comes on, phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. You can also tweet at us. You can reach out to us on Twitter, at ESPN1067, with your comments or questions, and we'll respond to you uh, right here on the air and read those aloud. So Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Want to hear your thoughts about Auburn getting another transfer portal commit, this time at the linebacker spot. It's on the defensive side of the football. We knew Auburn needed help. The linebacker room was one of the thinnest on the entire team, if not the Thinnest on the entire team, and Auburn goes and gets their second North Texas transfer. It's the linebacker Larry Nixon, the third. Carter is a guy that we talked about. We figured this was going to happen. I um, felt really
2: good about it for the last five days or so,
1: and here it is, and it happened yesterday afternoon. And Auburn has what will be uh, again. We ta- I said this a bunch yesterday, and I'll say it again today: an
2: immediate impact player at oh, the yeah. linebacker he, spot. He walks in and he starts at the will linebacker spot. Because you've also got, you've got a couple dudes that I think might be real breakout stars for Auburn this year at the linebacker position. I look at the Ole Miss transfer Austin Keys. Who you want to talk about a guy who's going to be a thumper? You want to talk about somebody who's going to play that Mike linebacker position and run through somebody's soul? This dude's 6'2", 240. We haven't seen an Auburn linebacker weigh 240 that's going to get on the field in so long. And he's probably going to be your, your middle linebacker. We heard all the stuff about Robert Woodyard uh, coming along this past year, especially this spring. I think you're going to see him play a lot. But look, it cannot be denied. Nobody has the experience that Larry Nixon has. He's got 245 tackles in his, in his career at North Texas. I'm curious – that's probably relatively close. That's not probably not that far off from the total number of tackles the Auburn linebacker room has, considering the just lack of experience in that, in that group. Now, you've got a bunch of guys. You've got some depth now. I think you've got five, six guys you feel comfortable with, and most of the time you're running two linebacker spots. Mm-hmm. So, you're basically three deep at linebacker, and that's without having anybody else emerge.
1: Yeah, Nixon last year uh, at North Texas in the Conference USA, he was all Conference USA uh, with 105 tackles, so had triple digit tackles uh, at that linebacker spot for the Mean Green. I just, I love that. Love that mascot. And I love the name. I love when they wear the jerseys and it says Mean Green across the front. I think that's sick. But yeah, 105 tackles. um, And then in four years, in four total years there at North Texas, had 245 tackles, 11.5 tackles for loss, and 5.5 and sacks, and his numbers really just got better as every year went on, and that's why you saw 105 of those 245 tackles were all last year.
2: What I love about him, what I really do is, with your additions yesterday, and there's some jokes firing off about, I mean, buddy of mine, uh, the... the a lot of people may know him as Charlie Five on the Auburn message boards. He um, is calling North Texas the Auburn's farm team. The North Texas Mean Green farm team is what he's calling them right now for for Auburn. Because I'm fine with it. You go get you go pick off probably their most dynamic, explosive playmaker on offense, and their best their best or second best player on defense. They had another linebacker who's a stud last year. At North Texas, and they played next to each other. But this is a guy who is an all, all conference player in Conference USA who's going to step in and start at Auburn because, look, he's an NFL linebacker. I believe that. From, from talking to people, this is an immediate impact, significant pickup. And you got to feel pretty good about this Auburn defense right now. Maybe add a safety. We've heard that a lot. I think Auburn's going to add one more edge. And once you do that, this defense is going to be unrecognizable from last year. Yeah, you're going to have DJ James. Yeah, you're going to have Jason Jones. A couple Oregon transfers from a couple years ago, by the way, you're going to have Jalen Simpson out there. You're going to have Keontae Scott, who I think is an absolute dog. Mm -hmm. I think he is going to be about as good of a nickel corner as there is in the country. But you look at Kay and Lee... You look at Justin Rogers, you look at Keldrick Falk, Elijah McAllister, uh, Jalen McLeod, Austin Keyes, Demario Tolan. There's some really big names on this defense right now. Those are all incoming transfers and freshmen that are going to walk on this campus and play a lot of snaps. Larry Nixon is the sixth
1: transfer in this window alone. This transfer window alone, he's the sixth incoming transfer. And here's a stat that I'm going to tell you right now from Nathan King of Auburn247. You ready for this? In the linebacker room alone, with Nixon, Ole Miss transfer Austin Keys, and LSU transfer Demario Tolan, Auburn has added in the linebacker room 2,474 career snaps and 306 tackles. That's what they've added to the linebacker room, folks. 2,500 snaps and 300 tackles and your three linebackers alone, that's what you've added through the transfer portal this year.
2: And, you, and you've added three guys with varying levels of experience in varying places in their career that I think bring you three different things. I think Larry Nixon's going to walk in bring you some, some leadership, a ton of experience. Austin Keys is going to bring you an enormous athletic body in the middle of that defense. And somebody who I think can break out. I think both of those guys are going to be NFL linebackers. And Demario Tolan, who might be a little little right now because he's just what, six foot, 205, whatever he is. He's young. He's really young. He's somebody Auburn, Auburn was after, I think, in the 22 class. So he's been on campus for a couple years, a year. That's a guy who can develop over a long period of time. And I think he, when it's all said and done, is going to be a Zacoby McLean kind of guy because of, you heard all about his aggressiveness. You heard all about how high that motor runs all the time, all spring. I think it's going to be a little bit harnessing that, controlling it. I think he's going to be a stud for the future. But you've got really versatile all-of-a-sudden linebacker room Mm -hmm. that, I mean, last year, how many guys did we see actually play? And we're not even talking about Eugene Asante, who had a pretty decent spring as well. I was
1: just about to bring him up. Eugene Asante is a name that we just don't talk a whole lot about. He's a junior. You've got
2: seven guys to play two linebacker spots right now because you've got Larry Nixon, Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, Robert Woodyard, DeMario Toll, and Austin Key, Eugene Asante – and Asante's a freak athlete. Demario Tolan's a freak athlete. Woodyard and Keys are enormous. Mm-hmm. I don't think we realize how wide Robert Woodyard's going to look on the field this this fall. Six foot two forty one. That's really <laughs> thick for a linebacker. There's another two forty that you talked about. Yeah, you you've got all sorts of different bodies in that room with all sorts of different skill sets. And you know what it reminds me of kind of a position that they're almost the counterpart to on the offensive side. They're kind of like the running back room right now. Yeah, The, the running back room is full of bodies that are all different, all have different skill sets. They all, they all bring something different to the table.
1: And it's so nice because last year, coming into the year, and even into the fall, and when the season started, every time the defense took the field, you held your breath when a linebacker went to make a play because if anybody went down... They were done. The linebacker room was done for. If anybody got hurt, and you saw them deal with injuries last year, because you had Pap
2: O'Reilly and Steiner, how many guys outside of that group did you really see? Yeah, exactly. I mean, once Harson and Harson got fired, and, and the staff got shaken up, you saw a couple more bodies. Some them were walk-ons, and it was just like you just didn't have guys that could play the position. <laughs> just didn't have them. And and now I think you're in a better scheme. I think Ron Roberts has a better plan than i think you saw the harson staff have and he's a really experienced defensive coordinator we can look at last year at baylor i know it wasn't great but they lost a lot of pieces and i think there was some internal strife between uh aranda and ron roberts but ron roberts if you saw on twitter he's pretty fired up about this pickup he's already i mean he tweeted it out he said who's next that's right. Because I don't think he's done on the defensive side. It's what it seems like. It just seems like, okay, it, it,
1: Auburn fans get excited. It's like, okay, you get another transfer, but who's, who's going to be next, right? Who's the next one that's going to pop off? Who's going to be the next guy who commits to Auburn and jumps on this train? Because that's just how it's been. Auburn and Hugh Freeze have backed it up every single time with another commit. And it could be on the wide receiver spot because Auburn had a guy visit Yesterday, Jackson State transfer, Shane Hooks visited Auburn yesterday. And uh, again, sort of flew under the radar. Not a ton of people knew that this was happening. And it seems like it went pretty well. And this is a guy who has some really, really good stats. Uh, Previously played at Ohio before transferring to Jackson State. Uh, He entered back in December, committed to play for Ole Miss, and then he backed off of that and has been offered by Auburn, UCF, Utah, Mississippi State, and Liberty. Uh, He's already visited Utah and then visited Auburn yesterday. He redshirted in 2018, didn't play in 19 or 20, and then in 2021 he played for Deion Sanders in Jackson State. This guy can play, man. He he can actually play. Had 16 passes for basically 200 yards and two touchdowns. The stats aren't gonna just well, blow
2: you away. You're, you're, you 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 haven't found the 2022 stats, which are a lot better. And then there they are. 66, 66 for 775 and 10 touchdowns. Which that will make you at least raise an eyebrow when's the last time an Auburn receiver
1: had 66 catches in a year oh goodness do you know the answer because I don't
2: I don't but it's been a long a long dadgum time that's a A lot of receptions man that's a lot of receptions I mean what last year your leading receiver in catches was Tank Bigsby with 30 he's a running back so when's the last? I mean, who knows? I mean, I can go back and look. But I mean, it's it's going to be a you're going to be looking for a while if I had to guess. And well, so I mean, there was there was the bit I guess it was was it 2012? It was either 2012 or 2011, where Trooper Taylor tried to start this like internal campaign in the Auburn football program, where he was saying eighty for eighty. Yeah,
1: he I remember said that.
2: Emery Blake was going to have 80 catches. I don't think he remotely came close to that because uh, the Auburn offense fell no. off a cliff.
1: Yes, it did. And so you look at this guy, uh this receiver for Auburn in Shane Hooks, where the 2021 numbers weren't spectacular, but the 2022 numbers were. As you mentioned, uh those plus 60 receptions for 10 touchdowns. Think about if Auburn could add that to the receiver room. This would be the best receiving group that Auburn has had, a group of receivers, in how long? I mean, you could go back years and years and years and years to find a group that would be this experienced and this proven already.
2: It'd be a long time. Here's your answer. The last time Auburn, an Auburn receiver had, and this makes a lot of sense because he and his quarterback set the record for most passes between a duo in Auburn history, Ryan Davis, 2018, 69 catches. There you go. He so, was a solid player, man. Ryan Davis was a lot of fun. Back half of 2017, he was look, a lot of fun. He's not fast. He was not fast, but he was as quick as anybody out there. And I think back to uh, who, was the, who was the Alabama safety that went in the second round to the Giants in the 2018 draft. That, Eli Apple? Was it Xavier oh, McKinney? Oh, Apple was Xavier from McKinney. Ohio State. McKinney, yeah. Uh, he just absolutely juked him out of his shoes. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball yeah. turning the wrong way. Now, he didn't have the breakaway speed because Xavier McKinney ran him down so fast. Which is why he's playing <laughs> in the bros. But, yeah, no, he was Ryan He Ryan had good. 84 catches Ryan in Davis. 2017.
1: Interesting. How about that? I, that would not have been my guess, I don't think. But, there you go. But if you go and add somebody like... Shane Hooks, who had 60-plus receptions, again, it's at Jackson State, and we talked about this yesterday. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. This guy had 60 receptions for 10 touchdowns. That's impressive in, in whatever level. That's impressive in high school. That's impressive at community college or in the SEC. It doesn't matter. Those are good numbers. And Auburn has already added some really, really good players at the receiver position. We saw one already just a few days ago. And you have Caleb Burton and Jair Shorter who are already in the receiver room from the transfer portal.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, I think you've done a great job with this room already. And yet again, let's let's talk about the, the guys you just let into this room with, or you brought into this room with Jair Shorter and with Caleb Burton. The skill sets are very different there. Mm-hmm. You had a 5'11", Buck 70 guy from Ohio State, who's a little bit more of that, that Ohio State build of receiver that we've seen. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, guys like JSN, all these guys. And then you've got Jair Shorter at 6'2", 218, who is, he will walk in, and the only guy who I think can challenge him in terms of physicality, going up and getting balls and just beating a DB one-on-one who has the ability to do it is probably Cam Brown. But he will walk in and be the most physical receiver on Albert's team. And probably the best at going up and just winning a 50-50 ball. I, I don't, that's, that's maybe been the most uh, underrated part of his game when we've talked about him. The mm-hmm. stats show you he's a deep ball guy. And he can make an impact on one or two catches a game. Because that's what he did at North Texas. But you dig into it, he is really good in contested catches and on 50 50 balls, beating a DB for a football. And that's going to be huge to add to this Auburn roster. When I look at Shane Hooks
1: and Jair Shorter before we get to break, you have guys that have experience. Shane Hooks is a grad transfer. Sure, he took two years off, didn't play, but he has experience in the college game and the college level. And outside of Caleb Burton, who hasn't played a down, but has the upside probably more than any of them, you're bringing in experienced players who know the game of football at the college level and can all gel and use that to their advantage. And I think that's something that Hugh Freeze and this entire coaching staff on both sides of the football have tried to do. They've tried to go get guys that can be plug-and-chug players immediately, I mean, can go and play them right now and so that's what's exciting Auburn picks up a linebacker commit a receiver was on campus yesterday we'll continue to talk about this we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on this 334-321-1390 got to get to a break with Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Talking Auburn football, we (laughs) went really long in that first segment, but just excited talking about the linebacker commit, Larry Nixon, and the wide receiver who visited campus yesterday. Don't worry, we'll talk more about it as the show goes on, and we'd still love to hear from you on your thoughts on all of that, 334 321-1390. But question of the day, really quick. We got a few minutes before uh, we get out of here for the bottom of the hour break. Question of the day to you, Carter. How excited are you about the brand new college football video game that is coming back after way too long of not having one where players will have their name and image in the game. They can opt into it. I think they can what opt into that. it. Yes, they can opt into it. And so you'll have real players, real names, real stats coming in the brand new college football video game. This is big news for the players and the athletes but it's big news for us the players on the video game itself. I am super excited. Are you I mean, did you play did you play the old college football video games?
2: Yeah, I'm a kid that grew up in America. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's there's well, a reason why it's like considered the best video game. Sports video game, maybe ever? And it's so much better than Madden because I hate Madden. Madden's, Madden's trash. I they, can't they, they've, stand They've Madden. repackaged the same game for a decade. And, I mean, it, there was, what, three years ago that on Madden, if you went into practice mode, it was like the 2021 game. And if you go look up, because there's the stands on the practice field when you go into practice mode, you go up in, in instant re- replay and look at the little lining of the fence on the stands, and it literally said Madden 19 on it in the I'm 21 not game. I'm not shocked.
1: I'm not shocked. But it works, and they make money on it, so credit to them. But the college football game is so much better, and it's so much more fun. And yes, it was announced today that athletes the college football players can opt in for their name and image to be in the video game and uh, they said it's coming out next year and man I'm excited I don't know if uh, how many of our listeners played it growing up or play it now I mean there are still people that grind college the college football game today I mean they still grind it because they download rosters and stuff like that
2: Oh, well, I mean, I'm just saying the dynasty that I built. I mean, I became the greatest coach of all time at Wake Forest. So proud of you. (laughs) Wake Forest? Yeah. Heck yeah. One like. Why didn't you pick Northwestern? Five national champions. Well, I mean, this is. I haven't played the game in three years. I hadn't even gone to Northwestern yet. Oh, that's fair. Well, (laughs) that's fair. No,
1: I I bust it out every now and then on the PlayStation 3 and we will play once a year, maybe. But there are, again, there are people that legitimately play it every single day.
2: I played a really mean, nasty middle linebacker spy with the same guy for four straight years. Yes. We, we just sat there, and we, <laughs> we waited for the, for the halfback screen. You could read it, and you could pick that thing off and go the other way for, for a pick six every time.
1: You were winning games by 28 points, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, look, I'm
1: excited, man. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be being able to, to relive playing college football on the video game like we used to um, and getting to play with today's teams, today's rosters, today's stats. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun because look, there's some really good players in the game of college football, man. And it's exciting. It's just one of those games that that we grew up playing on and, and so many people loved. And we haven't had a new one in so long. I mean, it's been, what, 10 years almost since we've had a brand new college football game. And good for the athletes, man. Good for the football players if they decide to opt into it. They get to have their name and their image in the game itself. Um, I'm excited for them to be uh, to be able to be that and be a part of that be able to play uh, a video game with you with literally you in it so, I mean that's really really cool for them and that's what that's what NIL has done in, in today's game of college football and college athletics you can now do that again and they can benefit from that thanks to NIL which is what has halted all this for so long but it's official it's coming next year and uh, I hope our listeners are as excited as we are because as soon as it comes out or I'm going to pre-order it and and it's going to be a lot of fun. So the new college football game coming. I wanted to mention that really quick because, again, I think it's really, really cool uh, for the for the players and for everybody that gets to play it. And so that's coming up next year. But when we come back, we're going to talk the college football playoff dark horses for this year, according to CBS. And uh, Auburn fans are going to like one of the teams that's on the list. I have a feeling.
0: The line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader.
1: All right, halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with me as always is Carter Bird. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time today 334 321 1390. And Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in.
3: Hey guys, how y'all doing today? Doing good,
1: Terry. How are you, man? F- fantastic.
3: Jacob, you mentioned a wide receiver on campus. I had no idea that was going on. What's, what's going on with that? Who is this guy?
1: Yeah, so Auburn had a uh, wide receiver who visited yesterday, Shane Hooks, uh, transfer from Jackson State, uh, entered mm-hmm. the portal and was previously committed to Ole Miss and then backed off of that and it was kind of a quiet visit Terry not a ton of people knew about it Uh, and the news kind of trickled out and uh, he's a grad transfer and he was on campus yesterday and it seemed to go pretty well I think Auburn feels good about it Uh, but he has also visited Utah and uh, a couple of schools have offered him Auburn, Utah, UCF and Mississippi State and Liberty I believe and so uh, some schools are interested in him and uh, he's a grad transfer had really really good stats last year and would be a boost for auburn's wide receiver room
3: how big is he, is he and where is he from because utah's a long way away
1: <laughs> yeah well he's from he's from the state of florida uh he went to uh olympia high i think is what it is i think that's the high school he went to in in florida and he's from down there he is uh six foot four 205 pounds mm.
3: it'd be nice to have a little bit of size there it's you know marner what is it under six six martin 6, six six two
2: fifteen. Yeah, so they're, they're getting a little bigger. J- Jair shorter six two two eighteen. Um, you've got Shane Hooks, who at JSU was listed at six four two oh five. and then of course you got Caleb Burton, who's a completely different skill set at five eleven one sixty
3: nine. Is it just me? Guys are saying like the receivers just keep getting bigger. The defensive backs are about the same.
2: I mean, I think it's. I mean. Honestly, when you look at the NFL draft, small receivers are getting picked higher and higher, and you're seeing more and more of them get drafted.
3: Yeah, I guess there's just not that many uh, Meg- Megatrons out there, right?
2: Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean he, was a, he was a freak of nature. I mean, yeah, yeah, Julio yeah. Jones, that kind of build, and then you've got A.J. Brown yeah, and, and D.K. Metcalf, and... DK Metcalf, and Outside of that, there's not many wide receivers that jump out to me as <coughs> enormous freakish frames like that.
3: Yeah, I remember years ago I was over in the ESPN Zone in Atlanta, and I ran into uh, the Falcons were playing the Detroit. Uh, were playing the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. and we ran into Scott Mitchell, and he was like 6'5", 235, yeah. and I thought he was a defensive end.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's been some guys like that over the past. What ten years in the pros that have been just monsters? But think about some of the best receivers in the pros right now, Devontae Adams. I mean,
2: he's big, but he's not Megatron big. And I mean, I, I when I think of him, I don't think of him as like this. This, I really do think of Julio Jones and AJ mm-hmm. Brown kind of as smaller versions of of Calvin Johnson. But I mean, Devonte Adams, I don't look at him that way. I just think he's an unbelievable route runner. I think he is physical. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not going to go I mean, he's up. Six one and... two fifteen. Yeah.
3: You know what I think of Jacob? I think of it in my day that all would have been it would have been tight
2: ends. I mean, back well, in the day, yeah, Terry. I mean, I think something you've got going on right now. Yeah. I think when you've got that really big frame, I think those guys are becoming tight ends. I mean, look at your Travis Kelsey, your Darren Wallers, your uh, I mean, all of these tight ends that you see in the NFL now. The tight end position in the NFL is as athletic and as fast as we've ever seen they're a bigger receiving threat than than ever
3: yeah Carter. of like I, I heard a guy say there's there between being big and being able to put that hand in the dirt to do so yeah difference.
1: and that's what the tight end you got to be able to do and receivers as well but tight ends especially since they're closer to the line you got to be able to catch yeah. but you better be able to block too
2: ah uh, i yeah. forgot about chase claypool chase claypool's enormous if we realize how big he is i guess not Six four two thirty eight. I did not know he was Hold that big. smokes.
1: I didn't know he was that big.
3: I didn't either. Hmm. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate,
1: appreciate the call, it, Terry. Terry. Good to hear from you. Uh, yes, Auburn had a receiver on campus yesterday, uh, Shane Hooks, the uh, grad transfer from Jackson State. And so, Terry, we appreciate the call. Always good to hear from you. 334 3, 1, 1390. We'll talk some more about that later on. Want to get to uh, a topic that we were
2: going to talk about yesterday. What? Did you discover somebody else who's massive that we didn't know about? Well, the, no, the second and third tallest receivers in the NFL last year. Or Alan Lazard Hey-o. and Christian Watson. Look at your Packers. Hey, man. Of course, I mean, one of them's gone now.
1: Yeah, one of them's gone, and the other one you'll never know about because he doesn't have anybody to throw in the football,
2: but You've, it's fine. Okay, Mike Evans is really tall, but I don't view him as, like, massive in his frame. No, I wouldn't say he's massive. He was in
1: college, and that's what made him good, was Johnny Manziel would just throw it up in the air, and he's, he'd go up and get 50-50 balls. He's
2: bigger than I thought. He's 231. How about that? Mike Evans is? Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. But Claypool and Metcalf at 238 and 235 are the two biggest.
1: But then look-wise. Look at the yeah, but then look at the other biggest receivers in the in in the NFL, the not biggest, but like the best, you look at Jamar Chase,
2: who is nowhere near that size. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Chase, Chase is thicker than you realize. But but when you look at a guy like Devonta Smith, who just got mm-hmm. taken the first round at 170 pounds, and you have uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown 170 as well look at the guys that got drafted high this year this was the, the highest and most we've seen a bunch of really small receivers taken in the NFL draft yeah that's fair well
1: Terry we appreciate the call talking about some receivers again we'll talk some more about the receiver that was on campus and the linebacker commit that Auburn picked up uh, yesterday but dark horses for the college football playoff according to CBS Sports now this is something it's really interesting. And again, I want to remind people of a dark horse. When you are considered a dark horse, you're not a favorite to make the playoff. You're not supposed to make the playoff. But these teams, according to CBS Sports, could be a team that if they have a miracle season, could find their way in on the back door into the college football playoff. And I think this list is really, really interesting. And I want us to talk about this just a little bit. We'll go through the conferences. They list one team uh, per conference. Starting in the ACC, Carter, you like this team. NC State is the dark horse, according to CBS, to make a college football playoff, the Wolfpack, in 2023. I don't know how I feel about it, but at the same time, the
2: ACC is still not good. There's two teams, and it's everybody else. Last year, I would have said absolutely. Last year, I would have said absolutely absolutely. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Uh, I just I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it because when you look at you lose Devin Leary. You bring in Brennan Armstrong. At, their, at 100% healthy, at their best, that's a downgrade. When you look around the rest of that conference I think Clemson's going to be better. I think FSU is going to be significantly better. I think FSU is going to be, FSU's my runaway favorite to win the ACC. FSU FSU is going to be a legitimate college football playoff caliber team this year. I think Miami has to get better because it can't get worse. Uh, you look at, I mean Duke. Duke is in year two with Mike Elko. Riley Leonard is back. They're going to be better. Just the area, just the teams in the triangle of Raleigh, Durham, uh, and Chapel Hill, UNC. You've got Drake May, who's what second best Heisman odds in the country, mm-hmm. going to be a top three pick in next year's NFL draft. Like yeah, I think it, the ACC is going to be a little bit tougher this year they need it.
1: They need it desperately. And so NC State, according to CBS, the dark horse to make the, highest, or make the college football playoff, uh, according to CBS. And we'd love to get your thoughts on this as we sort of break all this down. I thought it was an interesting piece and I wanted to at least run through it because uh, as we get down to the SEC, Auburn fans may like the answer. But according to the Big Ten, or according to CBS, out of the Big Ten, it's Wisconsin. And I don't hate the pick because of what the Big Ten is and how it is structured. No, no, no.
2: Because of what the Big Ten West is.
1: Yes, correct. (laughs) Because of what the Big Ten West is, Wisconsin with, if you remember, their new head coach is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, who took Cincinnati to a college football playoff. They've brought in some talent. They're having a quarterback battle. Wisconsin should be in a pretty decent spot. Are they going to be better than Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State? No, they will not. But they don't have to be better than those teams because they're on the opposite side of the Big Ten and they can get to Indianapolis and all it takes is one game for them to be a two-loss team and make the college football playoff if you're the Wisconsin Badgers. I don't hate that. As a dark horse option, the Wisconsin Badgers out of the Big Ten to make the college football playoff.
2: And I'll tell you another thing that I think is going to be fascinating about that team. They upgraded a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You lose Graham Mertz to Florida, which, I mean... I don't think there's that many Wisconsin (laughs) fans crying about that. But you bring in Tanner Mordecai, who is at SMU, who just to give you a picture of what his previous two years were at SMU, 67.8% passing in 2021, 3,600 yards, 39 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The following year, uh, 65% passer, 3,500 yards, 33 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean... Graham Mertz could never. I mean you're upgrading there and you go get Phil Longo who called that phenomenal offense at UNC with Drake May. I think that Wisconsin offense has a chance to be a little more dynamic. you got a really good defensive coach uh, and I mean I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be intriguing and I think the I think we looked at the schedule I think it's manageable. it is manageable and
1: and again you don't have to be the best team in the big Ten. To have a chance. All you have to do if you're Wisconsin is get to Indianapolis and take on Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, and
2: you've got a chance to make some some noise in the college football playoffs. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the thing where the Big Ten West champion is a sacrificial lamb to Ohio State or Michigan, unless you're Northwestern, because somehow they've played a couple tougher games against Ohio State in yeah. that matchup. It seems to be Wisconsin and Purdue, and then Northwestern slides in every but now and then. Let me, let me tell you, let's clear something up. North- Northwestern's not one in the West.
1: <laughs> we appreciate you, appreciate you clearing the air on that one. <laughs> well,
2: look, shocking, I know.
1: Yeah. Well, here's another not shocker. Uh, Texas Tech is the pick out of the Big Twelve to be the dark horse for a college football playoff under new head coach Joey McGuire. No chance. No, no chance. There's absolutely no. no shot that Texas Tech smells a college football playoff in
2: year. You're one. telling me Texas Tech in year what two with McGuire? Year one. I mean. No, it's... it's is this year two? It's year two. Okay. It ain't happening. And even more so when you pull up the schedule and they've got Oregon in week two. Yes, it's at home, but they're not there yet. Oregon by double digits? They they, they have to play Oregon at West Virginia at Baylor, who's going to be better. K-State, who is still my favorite team in the Big Big 12. Love that team. I mean, Chris so, Kleiman is an unbelievable coach, and congrats to him, by the way, on his extension. Yeah, which K State got a heck of a deal. It's a great value uh, for that contract because I don't think it's that expensive when you look at other other coaches. Are they your pick to win the Big Twelve,
1: K State, as of right now?
2: No, because I think Texas is going to actually win it this. He this said year. with a disappointment in his <laughs> in his I think, voice. I think, t- but this Texas Tech team, they had to go to BYU. Loss. I mean, BYU is a tough place. Provo is a tough place to go. Yeah. You got to play TCU at Kansas, who you got to assume is going to be better, at Texas, Mm -hmm. and play UCF. It's not an easy schedule. No. And look, I know it's a dark horse
1: pick by CBS to pick Texas Tech. They're not supposed to make it. They're not supposed to get close. I'd be shocked if they get to eight wins. Yeah. I'd be shocked if they get to eight wins. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I don't like the Texas Tech pick. I think there are other teams out of the Big 12 that you could pick as a, quote, dark horse to make the college football playoff, but that's what CBS picked. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one. We'll give you the team that they picked out of the Pac-12 and the team they picked out of the SEC. Stick around. You want to hear who these two teams are.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On The Line talking college football playoff dark horses according to CBS Sports. We talked about uh, the... Team out of the ACC, NC State. We talked about Wisconsin out of the Big Ten. We talked about Texas Tech out of the Big 12. Again, this is all according to CBS Sports, and this is who they picked for dark horses for the college football playoff coming up in 2023. The team out of the Pac-12, I love. I love their pick out of the Pac-12. Oregon State, the Beavers, are the pick for the dark horse for the college football playoff. I like this pick a lot, Carter. I do. I like Oregon State. I think they have a chance to do make some noise in the Pac-12. Yes, they would have to win. And given what the Pac-12 is, you pretty much have to go undefeated or only have one loss. But you look at their schedule, it's doable, man. You get all your big games at home. Home against Utah. Home against UCLA. Home against Washington. Yeah, you do have to go to Oregon, but... That's the toughest road game on your schedule. And I like this Oregon State team with DJU, who is now their starting quarterback.
2: I mean, it's, it's when you look at this schedule, it's about as, easier of, as easy of a schedule as you can get to navigate to those last two games because you do get kind of Utah at home, isolated at home. I'm going to say isolated because you're at Wazoo before and at Cal – I think you should win those games, and you could have gotten a lot more challenging games. Then you get UCLA after the Cow at home, which I love that. Um, the the two G five two of the three G five games to open, or I guess I guess UC Davis is a FCS team, so they're not G five. But your two G five games at the beginning of the schedule at San Jose State don't love that because they have a chance to. They have a every so often they're a pretty solid team. San Diego State kind of similar at least you get them at home but when you look they have a chance to be in the thick of the pac-12 north by the time they get to that washington game and they could have everything to play for which would certainly be um it would be big to to for this oregon state program that's pretty downtrodden they've been in the bottom of that league they were a laughing stock of college football with Kansas for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been since what? Last time that they were like consistently anything was when Brandon Cooks was there. Maybe, yeah, maybe. And you look at their
1: schedule, and, and like you said, man, at the end of the year for Oregon State, that matchup with Washington in Corvallis, and then the the final game of the regular season on the road in Eugene, those could be massive games in college football. Some of the biggest games in college football, if those three teams are at the top of the Pac-12 like we think they can be, I love the Oregon State pick as a dark horse for the Heisman. A true dark horse for the college football playoff. I keep saying the Heisman. I don't mean to say that. Dark horse for the college football playoff. I love the pick of Oregon State to try to do that. The team out of the SEC, we told you if you've been around with us, we told you if you're an Auburn fan, you're going to like the pick. According to CBS Sports, their dark horse to make the college football playoff out of the SEC is is Auburn under head coach Hugh Freeze in year one. And I think it's a great pick. Uh, No bias, I think it's a really, really good pick out of all the teams in the SEC, given what all the teams have done in the offseason, the additions they've made at coaching and player-wise. Auburn is a legitimate dark horse. If they continue to add and they get better and they get some wins on the field, yeah, uh, you could say Auburn could be a dark horse for the high, for the college football playoff absolutely.
2: Well yeah, and we talk about when nobody expects anything from Auburn. Auburn always rises to the uh occasion and shows you something. I mean, 2012, worst year in modern Auburn history. Really, I think it's I think it legitimately might be ever. Going 3 and 9, Gene Chizik gets fired 2 years after the national championship. Gus Malzahn walks in, figures out a way to take that team to the national championship game Uh, I mean 2017-2019 you've had some up years. 2004 the year after JetGate I mean this has happened before 1993. Mm -hmm. You had a new coach there. This has happened a few times.
0: It's the Um, Auburn way.
2: Now I'm a little surprised that CBS didn't pick um, a team like South Carolina, maybe, because of Spencer Rattler, the way they finished the year. Um, But, I mean, it's a favorable schedule for Auburn because Auburn's had the most ridiculous schedule for years. It's Auburn and Arkansas consistently are competing for the hardest schedule on the Power Five because nobody else, nobody else in America has to play Texas A&M, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, teams like that, the entire SEC West and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Nobody else does it. And Auburn consistently. I mean, you go back to 2019, that schedule is stupid. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because you open with Oregon. <laughs> you play, a, I think, a decent two-lane team uh, at a conference or in a G5 game, but you're at AM, at Florida. That's a good Florida team, too. At LSU, Joe Burrow. And then you got Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, at Arkansas. I mean, I think when it was all said and done, Auburn played six of the top eleven that year, and then you played the best Minnesota team in a long time and in a bowl game, and they <laughs> yeah, put it on you a little bit. That was bad. But
1: I like the pick for Auburn to be a dark horse. I disagree with your South Carolina take. I don't think they're a, I don't think they're anywhere near a dark horse for the Heisman I'm or saying, for the college football playoff. Auburn I keep off, that up.
2: I'm saying coming off a five and seven year, the way they finished their last year. A team that nobody's going to pick to be a dark horse, but may, like I, I just don't think, I'm shocked that Auburn was the pick. Maybe Ole Miss, but I guess their seasons were too good last year. I mean, 7-5 is not that good.
1: <laughs> Auburn was the pick from CBS to be a dark horse for the college football playoffs. Stay tuned, though. Hour number two is coming up.
0: Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in our number two here on the Wednesday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. With me, as always, is Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of our number one, be sure to uh, go and listen to the podcast sometime today, tomorrow, before we come back. Uh, we talked about auburn picking up a linebacker transfer which we'll talk about some more here in our number two larry nixon the third from north texas we talked a lot about that and the receiver that was on campus yesterday Uh, we talked about that we talked about the new college football video game that's coming out and what that means for athletes what that means for us the players right and also uh, we went through the uh, dark horses for the college football playoff according to CBS Sports and so it was a lot of fun in hour number 1 if you missed any of it you can find the uh, the podcast at espn.au.com just click on the podcast center it'll be commercial free right there or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast but coming up here in hour number 2 we'll talk some more about Larry Nixon the 3rd the linebacker commit from North Texas out of the transfer portal also the receiver that was on campus yesterday, what it means for Auburn to add that linebacker, what it would mean to Auburn to add that wide receiver, and where this team stands right now. Then coming up at 3.30, Austin Hannon from Bama Central will join us talking all things Alabama. We'll get updates on the football team, on the baseball team, with everything going on in Tuscaloosa there, and uh, he'll tell us what's going on with Alabama Athletics. So that's what's coming up here in hour number two. Until he comes on, though, we'd love to hear from you on the phone line. 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 you can also tweet at us at ESPN 1067 your comments or questions there and we will uh respond to you right here and so give us a call 334-321-1390 would love to get your thoughts on Auburn getting another commitment out of the transfer portal the linebacker, Larry Nixon the third from North Texas Carter. It's a guy that brings experience. It's a guy that brings a lot of skills, brings a lot of tackles with him, uh, and what should be a day-one starter in the linebacker room.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, Larry Nixon is going to be a welcome addition to this Auburn defense and as a veteran guy. I think both of these guys, uh, both of these North Texas guys coming in, with the experience that they have, I expect them to feel – to be able to pick up the offense and defense very quickly. And Larry Nixon being, I mean, I think they both started college in 2018, so they've, they've been on a college team for a long time. Um, Larry Nixon will bring some leadership, so would Jair Shorter. I think Jair Shorter in his interview after the commitment was basically saying, hey, like, we ran basically this offense at North Texas. And I think when you dig into that, uh, I think I saw the the Auburn message board uh, poster Jayhead, who always has good uh, information. He was saying that the more he dug into it, the off the co-offensive coordinators at North Texas both have connections to Philip Montgomery, to uh, the Auburn's new offensive coordinator. And um, yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. It will be to see how they pick up the scheme, how quickly they can slot into significant roles, and I think. Uh, you could see both of these guys start. I think I think Jair Shorter is going to start opposite um, Camden Brown out wide. And then you've got a couple guys who can play that slot position in Javarius Johnson, Caleb Burton. Uh, who knows what happens with Coy Moore? I think he'll play. I don't know. I don't think his role is going to be as significant as it was last year. Not that – I mean, 301 yards receiving is not mind-blowing <laughs> anyway. Um but I think this this gives you a lot of depth at linebacker, and I think you feel a lot better because I don't know how many guys you felt in that linebacker room you felt 100% were ready to lead that room because the production, I mean, your most experienced guys are Cam Riley and Austin Keys, I guess Wesley Steiner. We haven't seen them take a lead linebacker role. I think this is the type of leadership you bring into that room, and I think it – uh it'll it'll pay dividends this year. And you need it. I mean we, we talked about it back in the in the first hour
1: about how last year at this time we were scared for the linebacker room. We were worried about what the linebacker room was and what it could be if literally one guy got hurt. And so I just don't think you I don't think you have any worries about that i mean look injuries happen in football and especially in the sec on the defensive side but if for some reason god forbid a, a linebacker does go down for auburn you don't feel like you're in the in the dark and you don't feel like you're doomed and gloomed if you're auburn because you have other guys who can step in and play you have depth at the linebacker spot which is something that just hasn't happened a whole lot. Auburn hasn't had depth, it seems like, in years at any spot. And so, with Larry Nixon, who committed yesterday, the linebacker from North Texas, you also had a wide receiver visit yesterday, the uh, transfer from Jackson State, who um, is getting some offers from a couple of places. He visited Utah already. Shane Hooks uh, visited Auburn yesterday, has offers from Mississippi State and Auburn and Utah. And so, with that being said, we know what Auburn's already brought in at wide receiver through the transfer portal. What if they were to bring in another guy who's a grad transfer with more experience and a lot of good numbers? It would just boost a wide receiver room for whoever the quarterback is in 2023.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you are always looking to add guys, add quality depth, and it feels like Caleb Burton is a certain skill set that they feel like they've addressed at 5'11, 169, somebody who can play that slot position. Probably gonna be uh, one of the better route runners and a guy who can get some separation on this in this receiver room. You look at the other guys that the staff has brought in, I think they're looking for some size. And I think they're looking for some some guys who can go win fifty fifty balls, uh, make the contested catches, um, whether it be Nick Martner at 6'6, 215. We saw what he did at Hawaii two years ago, last year at Cincinnati. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, Jair Shorter has a chance to be special. Shane Hooks could be another great addition. And and uh at 6'4, 205, 210, another big body. I think that you've certainly you're starting to see those feel like those Hugh Freeze has always had those big receivers, a couple of them. Whether it be A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf, uh, even some other guys when you look at it, uh, Treadwell, guys who can run some pretty good routes, but they're going to use their body to go get the football. And when you're bringing in a new quarterback, when you know you've got a receiving room that maybe hasn't met the expectations for the spring, you got to go at, you got to go create competition. And either the guys in that room are going to step up and um, be difference makers because of the competition or these new guys are, are going to get on the field. And and regardless, what I promised you is going to happen, the receivers this year for Auburn are going to be better than if Auburn just rolled with what was on the roster.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. You you had to go and get receivers. You had to, and Auburn has done that. You've gotten Caleb Burton. Uh, you've got Nick Martiner. You you have guys that you can rely on, and you feel comfortable putting into either the starting role or the second or third guy off the bench at the receiver spot and you also went and got a quarterback who you have good confidence in to throw the football to them and get it to him on time and on target um but for Auburn in general they're not done they're not stopping and that's what I think is it's really really impressive when it comes to Hugh Freeze and this staff is they are constantly working in recruiting in the transfer portal they are constantly working and they're never satisfied and I think that's where Auburn fans are right now is the fact that you're excited about another transfer, but you almost Auburn fans in a a good way may start to get a little, a little guilty and they may start to get a little ahead of themselves and say, oh, well, that's great, but who's next, right? Who's the next commitment going to be? That's a great pickup in the linebacker spot, but who's the next commitment going to be? And how refreshing is it that we can sit here and talk about that and say, this is great. What else can they do?
2: You, you know what I want to see? You know, I want to see if these additions... I mean, obviously, the addition of Jair Shorter and Caleb Burton is not going to help you with uh, Shane Hooks. But I do think the addition of Peyton Thorne absolutely is helpful with both of these guys. But on the defensive end, I want to see if the addition of Larry Nixon and some of these other pieces helps you with a guy like Isaac Uku or Stephen Sings, the, the Liberty edge or maybe a safety out there Uh, because i think i think we are like i said yesterday i think we're getting to the end these are the finishing touches on the year one hugh freeze uh masterpiece here and when i say masterpiece don't take that as auburn's gonna go win the west and win the sec and play for a college football playoff uh play for a national championship that's not gonna happen but I think what he's done raises the floor significantly. I think your floor is now i would say somewhere around six and a half wins. I'm close to saying seven, and I think your ceiling nine and a half wins i think I think ten is the absolute maxed out ceiling um nine is probably what I'd be more comfortable saying mm-hmm. but 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 you've got an auburn team now that can go win some games. And we saw what they could do against Alabama at home last year. Right. Or two years ago, rather. This team's going to be more talented. It's going to be better coached. They're going to be in a scheme that fits their skill sets better. And this Alabama team that's, that'll be coming into Auburn is going to be worse. So why, why can't you pull that upset when you took them four overtimes two years ago? Why can't you go steal a couple games? Now it's going to be about handling business in the other games that you should win Mm -hmm. and not dropping any of those. If you don't do that, you have a chance for what could be a pretty
1: special first year. Yeah, well, I'm glad you went there because it seems like after every addition through the transfer portal, we have that conversation. It's like, okay, how much better did Auburn get through how many more wins did Auburn add by adding this guy or this guy or this group of guys? I think it's hard to to determine that, especially with a linebacker spot, but given what we've seen over the past few days with, with the receiver addition and Jair Shorter and a linebacker position and, and commitment out of Larry Nixon, and if Auburn is to go and get Shane Hooks, another wide receiver... You would feel comfortable saying Auburn added half a win to that, or even another win if you have reliable guys to throw the football to, another starting linebacker in the SEC. Your wins and your ceiling and floor are continuing to rise. And I've put it, I put it about oh, what, a week or so ago when we talked about this. I moved everything up one. I said the floor for Auburn now is seven and the ceiling is nine, I believe is what I said.
2: I think, I think I was at six and six and nine when it was Robbie Ashford as quarterback or, or Holden Gurner, one of those two. Now I think I'm, it's seven. I think it's safely seven because quarterback has the biggest influence, and Peyton Thorne is going to be better, a good bit better than Gurner <coughs> would have been, in my mind, or Robbie Ashford. At least the consistency is gonna be there. And I think that's all Hugh Freeze is looking for. He's looking for consistency and accuracy out of his quarterback. He wants to know what he's gonna get out of him on Saturday. Not like, hey, this could be performance of a lifetime. You can go pull a crazy upset, or you could put the ball on the ground three times and throw two picks. Yeah. That was the conversation. That was the
1: conversation last year. Was every single game it's like, all right. What Robbie Ashford are we going to get? What T.J. Finley are we going to get? Can they stay healthy? Right.
2: That well, was a I conversation think we, every we Saturday. Generally knew what T.J. Finley. Well, was yeah, get. but it really was about Robbie but Ashford. Robbie Ashford, forty-nine percent passer last year, sixteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. He ran for seven hundred and ten yards and seven touchdowns. <laughs> yes, that's great. that That rushing stat line is great. The passing stat line is not good and that's not even bringing up the fact that he was second in the country in fumbles. He didn't start the entire year. That's an issue. Yeah. I'm with you. And and I think when
1: when you have what you believe to be your guy at the quarterback spot, you continue to add these guys through the in the transfer portal, you have gotten so much better and you've gotten deeper as an entire team. Auburn ceiling and floor have risen there's no doubt about it it has yes. absolutely risen I put it at seven and nine like seven is the is the floor and nine wins is the ceiling at ten would be just an unbelievable year in I, my opinion right now where the roster stands
2: that's where I kind of sit I can easily find seven wins on this schedule for if, Auburn if we just look at the Auburn schedule right now UMass at Cal Sanford to open the year you should be three and zero. And again, I do not care what ESPN's FPI says because I don't think that has properly adjusted for what Auburn's done in the transfer portal. Cal is bad. Cal is bad. Cal can't score. Cal hasn't been able to score for years. They have a great defense. Congrats, Justin Wilcox. I still have zero clue how... like, He was going to be the head coach at Oregon after Cristobal left. And something went wrong there? There were some rumors out there that he turned it down. He played at Oregon. Why? Why would you ever stay for State Cal if that's true? But then you're at AM. Okay, really tough game. They have so much talent. But I don't think Jimbo. I I continue to to I will die on this hill. I don't think I think Jimbo Fisher is the most overrated coach in the Power Five because he is John Calipari of college football. He does so much less with more. Mm -hmm. John Calipari's got the best talent in the country every single year, and I mean, he's got that one national championship. So does Jimbo, which he had to have a generationally talented quarterback at FSU, and the third, like his his prime at FSU as a coach. He had a first round quarterback into a first round quarterback into a generationally talented Heisman winning, what, first overall pick quarterback? Like, yeah, that's... that's as soon as the first-round quarterbacks quit coming through the door, FSU falls off a cliff. He goes to A&M. He has, a, he has a little bit of an up year with Kellen Mond, a veteran, like third, fourth year Kellen Mond, who's been the starter there for a long time. They're good for a year the, the the covid year they what got to double double digit wins but i've never seen somebody take the talent that he has and consistently go 7 and 5 8 and 4 last year you go even worse you go 5 and 7 and that's a <laughs> tough game for auburn at texas a&m in week it's 4 it's tough they have more talent but i don't know what jimbo fisher and a&m's going to be this year i don't exactly. know what bobby Petrino is going to be like with that offense i i i will give the edge to texas a&m cuz it's in college station and the talent leans their way but auburn's got a shot you're not going to beat Georgia. No, and that's what I was going to say.
1: I want to keep talking about this when we come back because it's an interesting conversation. Talking about with the additions from the portal, what Auburn's floor and ceiling are right now for wins this coming year in 2023. Your first three games should go three and zero. Your next three games could be tough, and Auburn could see the momentum switch in the other direction. We'll talk about it when we come back. 3-3-4-3-2-1-13-9 And we'll be right back here on ESPN 106.7.
0: On the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: All right, welcome back into the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Got a few more minutes before we get to uh, Austin Hannon of Bama Central. He'll join us on the phone lines at 3.30. But Carter, we've gone down this, this rabbit hole conversation and we've been talking about it every time Auburn picks up a commit have they got uh, there's two questions did they get better and by how much and legitimately i look i know we're in auburn station i know we're an auburn show and i know we're in auburn but there has not been one guy that auburn has added through the transfer portal auburn football where i've said why did we why did why did auburn go get him did they get i don't think they got better with him there has not been one player like that i think auburn has gotten better with every single addition through the transfer portal i really really do
2: yeah I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think that – I don't think you can necessarily say that for previous uh, years. No. We've seen Auburn go add some guys. That, some of them have panned out for sure, but that, that you're like, maybe this guy could play a role. And We've tried to convince ourselves at times, especially in Brian Harson's era. I mean, I think about Craig McDonald. <laughs> that was it. That's, <laughs> that was, that's the exact that's name the that popped that in my that's head. That's the one that pops in my head for sure. Well, oh, well hang on, hang on, hang on. Zach Calzada got a scholarship based on one game, one and a half games, two games at I, Texas State and I I can't say anything. I drank the Kool-Aid on that one. Well, I did two. I did two, but uh, I that was a mistake. Yeah. Holy that cow. That was, was that mistake. was that was rough.
1: But it just doesn't seem like Auburn has any of those under Hugh Freeze, and everybody they've <laughs> added through the portal has been a legitimate addition.
2: By the way, did you see when when Bryce Young got drafted? By the Carolina Panthers. Did you see what Calzada put up on his Instagram story? No. So, uh, somebody sent me a screenshot of it. It's a picture of dumb. him, because you know he's in at Incarnate Word. Yeah. Uh, wearing sunglasses, and it says one and zero versus number one overall picks, and it's like, buddy, I get it. That is, you peaked against Alabama that one time, but you're at Incarnate Word that dude's making millions and millions of
1: dollars. That's a weird hook to hang your hat on, buddy. (laughs) I mean, good for you, I guess. Put that on the resume if you really want to. But no, it really does seem like Auburn has truly added guys in the portal and gotten better by every single one of them. And we started looking at the schedule, and we've done this just about every time Auburn gets an addition. How much better have they gotten? And we're, we're talking about the floor and the ceiling for this team. You start off with UMass, At Cal, and Sanford. No doubt about it, you should be 3-0. and If you're Auburn football, you should be 3-0 and on the road at Texas A&M. Now, if we want to be realistic here, if you want to be realistic, Auburn should be 3-0, and and then they'll probably fall back down to earth and be 3-3. and If you go at A&M, home for Georgia, at LSU, that's your toughest stretch of the season, and it's yeah. not even close. Yeah. And if you are realistic about it, A&M is more talented than you. I don't think they have a better coach, but I think they have more talent, and you're in College Station. I don't College think they have Station. better coaches top to bottom. I'm with you. But you're in College Station. You're playing better talent. It's just the truth. Then you have to play Georgia, and nobody's going to play them within 10 points this year. And then you go out to LSU. Will. Somebody will. I don't think of the regular season.
2: I mean, a couple of years ago, what was it? App State that hung with them for uh, a full that game? Ain't, that ain't happening. Mississippi State did happening. it a couple years ago, too? Ain't happening. I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, it's Georgia will probably not roll Auburn this, this year, year, but and it's not going to be Auburn at in Athens. I'm no not, shot. It's not in Athens. It's it's in.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's in Auburn.
2: But but okay, I think you've got a shot at Texas A&M. And I was, I'd be. I don't think Auburn has no chance in Baton Rouge. Because you did it two years ago. You should have won last year. I don't think it's a 0% chance. While LSU, I think, is going to be the best team in the West, I think LSU is going to be much better than when Auburn got them last year. Auburn is coming off the bye. Auburn's coming off the off week. LSU, i got to go pull up their schedule to know what they have right before. They have back-to-back road trips at Ole Miss, at Missouri. They'll win both? But that's coming at the end of this stretch of at Mississippi State, Arkansas at home, at Ole Miss, at uh, Missouri, and then we'll already play Florida State. They've got that little bit of gauntlet there that they've got to run where maybe they're, they're looking ahead to, man, when's that, when's that off week coming for us to get that week off and get healthy? I think that has a chance. Auburn has a chance to make that game interesting. I'm with you. Now, coming off LSU – I think there is a real path to reel off some wins because I think Ole Miss. Is gonna, I you we we know my feelings about Ole Miss this mm-hmm. year. Ole Miss is the most overrated team in the SEC. Their win total is what seven and a half. I want to say.
1: I think so. They're going
2: five and seven, and it's and everybody's going to realize it when they lose at Tulane in week two, because Michael Pratt is a that Tulane team. Just went to the Cotton Bowl and beat USC. They're good. They lost some pieces. They brought their best defensive player. They brought their quarterback back. They've got a better quarterback than any, than any of the three guys Ole Miss can run out there. And that's what I'm
1: saying. So you take the first three games or Auburn a win. Take out the AM Georgia, LSU, and Alabama games. Make all of those losses realistically. Auburn should beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt and think, Arkansas Auburn, and New Mexico State. The line
2: for Auburn Ole Miss is going to be really close. I would imagine, at that point in time. I bet you it will be, and... and It shouldn't be. When you look at the Ole Miss schedule, they are coming off their off week. That's going to be a challenge for Auburn. Late October and Jordan-Hare, though. I like Auburn's chances. But you're going to beat State. You're going to beat Vanderbilt. I think you're going to beat Arkansas, because I think they're going to take a big step back. I think their coaching staff got significantly worse. And if you win those games, that's eight, which is right in the middle of where I'm saying between seven and nine. New Mexico's still left out there yeah exactly
1: when we come back austin hannon Alabama central will join us talking all things alabama athletics
0: you are on the line with jacob goins and carter bird on espn 1067 auburn opelika's sports leader
1: we got 30 minutes left here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goetz. He is Carter Byrd with you here on the Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader, ESPN 106.7. And it's Wednesday at 3.30, which means Austin Hannon of Bama Central is joining us on the phone lines. Austin, it's been a little bit, brother. Hope all is well with you.
4: Yeah, Jacob, Carter, how are we doing today? It's just another Wednesday here in the state of
1: Alabama, I guess, right? That's right. Uh, I mean, there's plenty to talk about. There's no doubt about that. And we'll start with uh, Alabama football as spring practice obviously wrapped up. And the transfer portal still open for our listeners here in Auburn, Austin, who have not kept up with Alabama in the transfer portal much and haven't seen if they've added or lost anything. What can you tell us and our listeners on what Nick Saban and Alabama have been up to?
4: Well, it's there's a couple of things. You know, they, they really bolstered the secondary. Uh, that's a big one. Um, and, you know, I guess Auburn Pitts has probably already heard about it. They've been looking for a transfer quarter, quarterback for a while now as well. We um, have the income of, of Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. He comes with Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator. Uh, but a lot of these, you know, these secondary guys I think are going to be a big deal. You know, I, I thought the secondary was already in a good place, um, even in the spring practice. But they came out, they got some veteran guys, including a guy, from in the state at UAB, and I think it's going to be a good thing for the defense.
2: When you when you look at this defense, I mean, you lose Will Anderson, you lose Henry Toto, but you have Kool Aid McKistry, Who are some other guys that you're looking to to step up, take those leadership roles, and lead this Alabama defense for the 23 season?
4: Yeah, I think Kool Aid's the big name. He's going to be a, probably a first round pick um, in this year's NFL draft or I should say 2024 NFL draft. We just had the one um, with Brighton bright going number one, obviously. Uh, but I think Malachi Moore's is a big name. He's also in the secondary. He's going to play either safety or in that star slot position. Um, he was a huge, huge impact player two years ago or three years ago in that 2020 season um, when he started as a true freshman and, and had, I think, four interceptions, uh, pick six and all that during Alabama's national championship season. Um, then he kind of sat the bench for two years when Brian Branch came around and, kind of took over for his position. Um and now he's kind of back in that starting role. Would he transfer? No, he didn't. He came back. I mean, he's an in state kid so it wasn't that surprising. But he's gonna kind of get one more year to do this thing on defense and kind of prove to the NFL that, you know, maybe he can be one of those guys next year.
1: Austin on the other side of the football, the the big one that you mentioned it already, Alabama been looking for the quarterback. They got their guy in Caleb Buckner from Notre Dame. There was some excitement around it. Tyler Buckner <laughs> or Tyler Buckner, Excuse me. Yeah. My apologies. Buckner. There was some excitement around it. And then there was also some hesitancy around it as well within Tuscaloosa and around uh, the state of Alabama, and even around the country at times on if that is truly the guy for Alabama, how do you feel personally, Austin, about Buckner coming in and, and so far seeming to be uh, the starter for 2023?
4: Yeah, it, it'll be different. I mean, we haven't seen a quarterback competition in a couple of years. Um, and a quarterback competition like this in a long time. I mean, I'm thinking back to, you know, AJ McCarron versus Phillip Sims days back way back when, um, because even with the Jalen Tua thing, they were both great quarterbacks, right? They were both quarterbacks that, you know, could win a Heisman Trophy and could win a national championship. This situation is a little different. It's all, everybody's pretty unproven. Uh, Buckner had his moments last year in South Bend, but he he was not a full year starter. And um, so he's going to have a lot to prove as well. So, Simpson and Milrow, I still think, have the little advantage just because they've been around and, you know, they've been in the system and they've been around the guys. Uh, but I, I do think by at least week two next season, potentially even week one, it will be Tyler Buckner just because of the skill set he brings uh, and his comfortability with the, the Tommy Rees offense that he got to see in college at Notre Dame. So um, it'll be interesting. I think they're all good candidates. Everybody, no matter who wins the job, is going to have to build on their football game. Uh, nobody's perfect. Nobody's Bryce Young. Um, so it's going to be a process, but I think there's a good reason that you can kind of afford a couple losses, um, or at least one, to make that culture ball playoff still.
2: How do you feel about this Alabama quarterback room when you look around the SEC? Where do they stack up with everybody else? And I mean, Auburn just landed Peyton Thorne. How do you feel about whoever the Alabama starter might be in, a, in a I guess, a one-on-one matchup with Peyton Thorne about who you feel might be a better quarterback?
4: Yeah, it's not going to be great. I mean, I wouldn't say they rank up there with the top in the conference yet. Um, obviously, when, when Mac Jones left a couple of years ago, Bryce Young comes in and it's, he was unproven, but then it seemed like off the jump he kind of took over and everybody was like, okay, this guy's great, and he wins the Heisman. And um, he went from a guy that had never played to a Heisman Trophy winner in one in 12 games. So um, I'm not saying that any of these quarterbacks have that kind of talent or are going to be that kind of player, but I don't think you ever really know who you've got, you know, in terms of across the SEC and across the country until you kind of get to see them play on the football field.
1: And Austin, it seems, and from what we've seen so far, the projected win total for Alabama sitting right at around 10.5 wins. Obviously a lot to happen between now and when the season starts, but do you feel that that's a fair a fair number to put on an expectation from Alabama fans and from Nick Saban himself on this football team at 10.5 wins?
4: I don't think that 10-and-a-half has been any less than 10-and-a-half over the last decade, so it doesn't surprise me that they're still coming in with that high expectation. I've looked at a bunch of you know way-too-early polls, and everybody's got Alabama in the top five, but then everybody also is talking about the quarterback thing. So um, I think people still have a lot of confidence in Nick Saban's defense and in the skilled players that are going to be around the quarterback. Um, I don't know if I would take over or under. I'd probably go under if it's off wins. Um, I know that if there's any Alabama fans listening to this, they don't want to hear that. Um, and they might not like, like me for saying that, but I think. And if it was me to take the bet, I'd probably go under just because of you know the uncertainty at the quarterback position, which, like I mentioned before, it could end up being a good thing, and somebody you know breaks free of the other two and is a great player. But at this point in time, I I don't have the confidence in that. So um, I, I think the team's definitely good enough to win ten games. Um, I think the 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 floor has got to be probably nine or ten wins, but I, I don't know what the feeling is yet. The feeling at Alabama is always going to be a national championship, but. Um, how real, How realistic that is this season with the, the teams that are around Alabama, I
1: don't know. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines. Carter mentioned a second ago Auburn picking up Peyton Thorne in the transfer portal. They continue to add uh, linebackers and receivers and, and guys on and both sides up. of the football. How are Alabama fans feeling and what has their, their response been uh, in Tuscaloosa in, in your eyes around the state of what Auburn is doing under head coach Hugh Freeze in year one?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a guy that Alabama fans are familiar with. Um, obviously, there was a the big debate before he got hired, I think, from Bama fans and Auburn fans that were kind of like, should we hire him? You know, the, the past, he's done some not-so-good things. Can he become a better guy and coach this program and um, get it out of where it was under Brian Harson? And I think all of the Auburn fans that are in the state were probably thinking, yeah, I, it's willing for me to get out of this state that I'm in, seeing how bad this Auburn football has been over the last you know two, three seasons, um, you get a little bit of taste of the, at the end of the season under Cadillac of good stuff. Um, but, and now you got Hugh Freeze. He's beaten Alabama, obviously, a couple times at Ole Miss. Um, he's a good football coach. He proved himself again at Liberty. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't think any Auburn fan should expect, you know, to, to be a, ahead of Alabama in the standings at the season's end. But I think Auburn definitely has something going for them now in the right direction where I didn't think there was anything going in the right direction under Carson a few years ago.
2: So last night was the NBA draft lottery, and we know Brandon Miller's going to be a top pick in this draft. Some places I've seen him two, some places I've seen him three. When you look at Brandon Miller and how the, the lottery shaped up, where do you think he might end up, and where do Alabama fans want to see him?
4: Yeah, I, it's interesting that last question you put um, into my brain. I tweeted out last night, and a lot of people got a little traction, everybody kind of liked it, uh, the idea of Bryce Young and Brandon Miller playing in the same city which everybody knows that Bryce Young's in Charlotte now with the Panthers, and the Hornets hold that number two selection. Um, I don't think he'd be a good fit there. The, the, the Charlotte's got so many problems with their franchise right now with not playing defense, and I think they just fired their coach. And they've got LaMelo Ball, who just had a really bad injury at the end of the year. Um, but it, when you're a team that's in that kind of spot, you're looking for a guy to save your, your franchise. And I think Granny Miller can be that kind of player in the NBA. Um, I felt the same way and still feel the same way about Jabari Smith last year. Um, I, I was really kind of rooting for Brandon Miller to go to Houston so they could play together. I saw the mock drafts earlier in the year, had him going to Houston, um, but with the way the ping pong ball shook out, it's probably going to be Portland or Charlotte. Um, and, and right now, it's looking Charlotte. I, what, what we said last night, what everybody's kind of been saying is that after the Wimby, you know, Wimby you know big tank session that all all this year was, San Antonio won it. They're going to get him. It's kind of a, it's all been said and done already. Um, and who's going to go next? You know, Scoot Henderson's a great player, but. I do think Charlotte will probably take Brandon Miller. I think he's he's proven on a higher level maybe than, than Henderson did in the G League Ignite, uh, you know, playing at a high level in the SEC and uh, having a great season he did. So I would like to see him in Charlotte too. I, I know a lot of people would just because you kind of you can root for that city with you know, two of the you know, superstars that just came out of your cutscluso here.
1: Austin, I don't know if the state of Alabama would handle it very well with Brandon Miller and Jabari Smith playing on the same NBA team with an Alabama guy and an Auburn guy. I just don't know if they'd be okay with that.
4: I I thought I, all year I was thinking Houston's going to get in there. They're going to have the second or third pick. It's going to work out. Maybe we're going to see these guys play together and uh, maybe you know mend a little breakup in this rivalry, this, this horrid rivalry that we call the Iron Bowl. Uh, but I would love to see it. They're, they're very similar players in my mind. I think Jabari's a little better, um, you know, inside the the arc and getting to the free throw line and, um, you know, playing high in the paint, which it makes sense. He's a little bit taller as well. So um, I'm excited to see how these two programs that used to be just so bad, so bad at basketball are kind of just generating NBA talent year in, year out now. It's it's really good to see. It's really refreshing for a state that's been, you know, so focused on football the last, you know, it seems like a hundred years.
2: Austin, The last time we talked, the, Situation around Alabama baseball was just starting to bubble up. I don't think we really knew the extent of what was going to take place. Obviously, Brad Bohannon has been fired uh, for his involvement in um, the some betting that took place in Ohio. Since then, Alabama has bounced back with winning two out of three against number five Vanderbilt, beating Troy in midweek game, and taking two out of three at Texas A&M. What have you seen out of this Alabama baseball team, how they've been able to navigate this stretch of adversity?
4: I'm glad you, you chimed in into the baseball questions to finish off here. You know, I've, everybody always wants to talk about basketball and football. But, yeah, what's happening right now on the Diamond is pretty special. Um, obviously, everybody knows the brand of Alabama softball. And, you know, we're all waiting to see what the, the, the status of Montana Falcons is going to be in this postseason. But, yeah, the baseball team's doing a great job. I, obviously, the horrible stuff went down, inexcusable stuff that kind of disgusts me, honestly. I just just thinking about those players on that team and committing to play for a school only to figure out that something... We don't know the extent of it, obviously, but what does that look like a a pretty situation, uh, but they've responded so well. Jason Jackson's done a great job of kind of getting the guys re-centered, you know, keeping their focus. He he keeps telling us, we're just kind of trying to take this day by day. We're trying to focus on the right here, right now. Um, Not all the other stuff surrounding us and everything like that. We're trying to just... One game at a time. Um, we, we know we're a good baseball team, and that's, that's kind of what they're trying to do. They responded well. They Like you said, beat Vanderbilt in the series. They go down early this week. Um, and they come back and beat Troy. That was at Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery, so not too far from you guys. Um, and then, of course, they go to College Station and just annihilate the Aggies in the last two games, outscoring them 23-1 to in 16 innings on Saturday and Sunday. Um, they're they're playing well at the right time, and who better to come into Tuscaloosa this weekend than the Ole Miss Rebels who – Auburn, as you guys just know, just got finished with in Oxford. So, uh, but shaping up for big things to happen, it's looking like if they could sweep the Rebels and, you know, maybe pick up a game or two in Hoover, that there's a chance at a host of a regional in there. Uh, they sit number 11 in RPI right now. they got a good strength of schedule, obviously, they can play playing in the SEC. Uh, they have that series went over Auburn, which is looking better now, so there's a lot of good things going on for the program, and um, you know, if they can keep this heat hot streak going, you never know. I mean, we saw Ole Miss win a national championship last year, and Alabama fans were mad because they probably had an argument to make the field overall miss last year when both teams were on the bubble. So um, you never know this time of season in college baseball. I mean, anybody can get hot, anybody can go to Omaha, anybody can win that thing.
1: Well, it's crazy that both Auburn baseball and Alabama baseball both had times in the year where we were considering would they make the postseason with Auburn just not being able right. to get the pitching yeah. and, and get the wins and Alabama after being swept by LSU and then the, the Bohannon stuff going down I mean there were times Austin where both of these programs we were legitimately saying they may not make the postseason and here we are talking about both of them with a chance a slim chance but a chance to host in the NCAA tournament
4: yeah I think it's it's really shaping up to be Austin I mean Everybody likes the rivalries. You talked about the basketball thing already. I mean, everybody in the state, you're either Auburn or Alabama. Everybody knows that. Uh, I was raised one way. You know, you guys are raised one way, I'm sure. And it's just kind of what makes the state. And the fact that all these – you know, auburn softball team being as good as it is now and being able to compete and even beat Alabama softball. I mean, the, both schools have really generated great athletic programs in just about every sport at this point. I mean, baseball is no different. I mean, Auburn's playing really well right now. They've got that game advantage on Alabama. Uh, we might even get to see the two play in the first round game with Hoover next week, which would do would be the, the the dreams of the Hoover Metropolitan Stadium to have those two teams play each other next week um, and have all those fans pour in. So it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, those, I think Hoover's going to be great next week just because there's, I really can see any of these teams winning the tournament. I mean, you've got Arkansas, obviously. You've got Vanderbilt, who's kind of scuffling right now. Florida's a great team. LSU, obviously, was number one for the most of the season. they got Dylan Cruz. Uh, which is kind of just a cheat code at this point. Mm-hmm. So, and, then, like, and like we said, you got Auburn and Alabama who are both playing great baseball right now. You've got Tennessee, the big bad boys that are still around, and that sneaky Kentucky and South Carolina team. So it's an open field. It's going to be great, and it's good that we don't have to have baseball teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss around next week there. <laughs>
1: Well, both uh, Auburn and Alabama will uh, most likely benefit from those two teams uh, not being good, or maybe not even being in Hoover. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us. He is our Wednesday three thirty guest every single week here on on the line. Austin, we appreciate you, man. It's always a good time talking to you. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on at Bama Central.
4: Yep, uh, it's, it's the same spiel. It's Austin Hannon SI on Twitter. Um, I, I'm pretty good about tweeting on there for the most part. You know, it's summer now, but and everything's kind of winding down. But I think that's probably the best way to get at me. Um, And, guys, I guess I'll talk to you next Wednesday.
3: That's
1: right. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, man. Hope all is well. We will talk to you then. That is Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us here on the phone lines, our Wednesday 3.30 guest talking all things Alabama athletics. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You
0: are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, big thank you to Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines, talking all things Alabama athletics, uh, football, as they've added some uh, some players to the transfer portal, including a quarterback themselves. Uh, they just had a quarterback and go number one overall in the NFL draft. The NBA draft lottery, I'm glad you brought that up, Carter, with uh, Brandon Miller, who will go top five somewhere uh, with Wimbenyama going to the Spurs. It hasn't been drafted. Yet, but they will draft him as the number one uh, overall pick. And then baseball, uh, who, to our surprise and really the surprise of the entire SEC and the entire country, Alabama baseball continues to win, man. Even after the Brad Bohannon stuff went down, they have still continued to win. And they're 13 and 14 in conference play. They pick up a series win over old Miss. They're feeling really good about themselves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to feel good if you're Alabama. You got to feel after watching what Auburn did to to old miss that you can handle business at home against this old miss team that i mean they they had their spirit has to be broken right after after last week i mean old miss I, yeah. yeah i mean I, all, like alabama has to feel confident about taking at least 2 out of 3 in that series being in tuscaloosa as well no doubt that, yeah and, and alabama and, and, and at should that feel great despite firing your coach for cause in the middle of the year Alabama's going to host a regional, and Auburn's not that far off from doing it themselves. I know. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. A couple that... big series, series this weekend in the state of Alabama that could determine whether two regionals are playing in the state, one or even, I guess, zero, if, if Alabama just fumbles the bag here at the goal line. Yeah,
1: and like Austin said, there's a chance that these two squads play each other in Hoover next week. Yeah. Wouldn't
2: that be something? What? Okay. What scenario what would Alabama have to do to get high enough to get a top 8 seed where where potentially they could be paired with Auburn and they could play for a super. Cuz wouldn't smokes. that be something? Would they even let that happen? They've done it all the time. Texas and Texas A&M and TCU, yeah, Texas that's fair. TCU, yeah, Texas that's fair. Texas A&M. That happens often. Hmm. I don't know. Old Miss and Southern Miss last year yeah that I'm, was a yeah, hostile that was fantastic that was so much fun that was so much fun I forgot about that series that was a lot I of think fun. you had you had like UNC and ECU maybe as well something like like, like that. it happens fairly often
1: that's fair I mean I would be okay with that that'd be cool I mean Auburn gets to to play in the state a couple of times and if that were to be I don't know if Alabama could pull that off I don't think they, they would have to Probably
2: sweep win. all miss and then maybe win the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. And Auburn would have to basically sweep and win a game in Hoover. Yeah. To probably make that matchup happen. And it's almost the and same situation. Some. You'd have to get some help. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. You'd have
1: Alabama and Auburn would have to get some help for that. Not saying it can't happen, but. Maybe wouldn't hang your hat on that. But, again, we appreciate Austin Hannon joining us uh, Wednesday guest talking all things Alabama athletics from Bama Central. Go check him out. He does fantastic work. It's been a great show today. Uh, if you missed any of it, we've talked a lot about Auburn football, uh, picking up the linebacker transfer Larry Nixon from te- uh, from North Texas. Also Auburn, who hosted a wide receiver yesterday uh, from from the transfer portal and so if you missed that we've talked some basketball we've talked college football playoff dark horses if you missed any of it go and catch up with the podcast at espnau.com but we are out of time here on the wednesday edition of on the line come back tomorrow two to four right here on espn 1067 stay safe i'll talk to you later